Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sports Day for Toolmark, the complete tool center, serving WA for over 40 years. Yes, a very good afternoon, everyone. Here we go. The start of another week. And I suppose for AFL fans, it's an exciting week, isn't it? Because the AFL season kicks off on Thursday, Carlton and Richmond. In fact, we're having a discussion in the office area here at SENWA predicting what sort of attendance is likely to head out to the MCG on Thursday night to see Carlton and Richmond. Would he expect a bigger crowd for Carlton Richmond or Friday's game between Collingwood and Geelong? We know that Richmond have got a big supporter base, but I think the biggest supporter base is Collingwood. I think they probably have a a few more than Richmond. Now I stand to be corrected. But going back to Thursday night, there were seventy two thousand and went along to see the Blues and the Tigers last year. How many are you forecasting will go on Thursday? Let's see how close we can get. Now, just note on Thursday, there is three Thursday night games in a row and Sports Day will be broadcast between three and four on Thursday leading into live coverage of the match. Three to four Thursday, Hayes and Mato with a run home are one to three. But give us your thoughts on the temper at Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. Love to get your gauge. Now, there's a gentleman here in the office who says we could get 90,000 plus. I'm not sure you'll get 90,000 plus. I was thinking if you are, if it's a good night, the weather is good. What is the weather forecast for Thursday, Jimmy? Just have a look at it there in Melbourne. I reckon if they get to 80,000, they've done well. 72 last year. I'm forecasting probably 75 to 80 for the match on Thursday. And we're pretty close also on Friday because the Collingwood supporters are up and about after what was an unexpected season with Craig McRae's very first season as coach, the elevation of Nick Dacos, Darcy Moore now the captain, the Moore name synonymous with the, the black and whites and the magpies. I've got a feeling the game, and we've got Geelong the Premiers as well, even though this gentleman uh, originates in the office, Brad is his name, from Victoria, from the Gippsland region, I still feel he was saying that Geelong fans don't travel to the MCG. Well, I reckon they might travel Friday night, and Friday is probably their best time possibly. Uh, going up the freeway. But anyway, we'll see what happens. Carlton Richmond Thursday night. How many are you forecasting? 0487 736 736. 
or will there be a bigger crowd Friday night for Collingwood and Geelong? The AFL looking to really start the season with a bang. Give us your thoughts on the temperate bedshed text machine. The forecast, by the way, is a warm one for Melbourne on Thursday, 27 degrees and cloudy. So, and there's a 10% chance of rain. So it's pretty good, actually. The conditions favour what could be a pretty big attendance. Now, regarding sport, another classic finish in the cricket. Now, the cricket at the moment, Australia and India, is going to peter out to a pretty tame draw. Australia are two for 158 at the moment. And uh, Ashwin's bowling. Labashane is 56, not out. Smith has come to the crease. He's faced 14 deliveries and yet to score. Travis Head, by the way, was dismissed for 90. And as we know, Matthew Kuhneman, the prize opener, was dismissed for six earlier today. So they're the two wickets to fall. Two for 162 as Marcus Labashane advances down the track and hits Ashwin over his head down to the boundary for four. But there was a brilliant finish Again, I reckon if you're a cricket supporter, you follow New Zealand because there's always the unpredictable with New Zealand. And they pulled off their second thrilling test match win in a month. They had finished Sri Lanka by the barest of margins. Now, this was the first of two test matches in this series. There was a century from veteran Angelo Matthews for Sri Lanka. Put the visitors in a strong position in Christchurch, heading to the fourth innings of the match. Now, the Kiwis required 285 runs to win, and they somehow chased the total down off the very last ball in the match. It was almost dark there in Christchurch, fading light. This is how it eventuated. The last delivery. And they're running through. Yeah. I reckon that's that, out. I reckon. <laughs> that's been two run-outs in a row here. The last two dismissals have been a run-out. Williamson with the dive. Well, oh, I reckon he's out. Direct hit. He's calling for a wide. Two bounces in the over. Here we go. Here we go. I reckon he's home. He's home. Get. Yeah. He's in. New Zealand win. Yeah, it's grounded. It's a very good win. That's on the ground, yeah. So there you have it. New Zealand win the first test match over there. Oh, Williamson not out. Diving in the end. Well, there you go. What the Sri Lankan paceman, Asitha Fernando, did, he bowled two bounces off the last two balls. And Kane Williamson, who was 121 not out, couldn't get ball on bat, giving him no choice but to run on the wicketkeeper's arm for that quick single. And paceman Neil Wagner sprinted to the striker's end where the ball missed the stumps, but Fernando hit the stumps at the other end, hence why they needed to do a review. The commentator called it that he was out. Commentator's curse, don't go too early, but in the end the review showed that he was A-OK. Williamson managed to scamper home and replays, as we heard, confirmed he had just made his ground by three centimetres to avoid a run-out sealing an epic two-wicket win for New Zealand. OK, coming up on the program, uh, we're going to speak to Brett Peake on the show. As we know, he played for Fremantle. He played for St Kilda. He also played in that drawn grand final in 2010. And the coach that year was Ross Lyon. So we're going to talk to Brett Peake about his career at the Dockers, 
his career at St Kilda where he partook in two grand finals because in 2010, as you recall, the first one, the main one, was drawn. Collingwood 9-14-68, St Kilda 10-8-68. And if Stephen Milne running into that goal got a kind of bounce, maybe St Kilda would have broken their premiership drought from back in 1966 when they beat Collingwood by one point. And we know the replay, unfortunately for all Saints fans, was one-way traffic. They won in a canter, Collingwood, 16-12-108 to 7-10-52. So we're going to speak to Brett Peake about his days at the Saints and his days at Fremantle, and more particularly about those uh, grand finals and what he thought about Ross Lyon, who's now, as we know, returned to Moorabbin and St Kilda and will be in charge of his first game back against the Dockers at Marvel Stadium on the weekend. So Brett Peake's going to join us. Also, the other football code. We're talking about soccer. What a classic win by the Perth Glory on Friday night. They were down to 10 men after two minutes and they played with 10 men basically for the entire game. The Western Sydney Wanderers also had a a man given his marching orders, but that was very late in the game. That was almost full time before Aaron McKenneth, the Irishman, scored a winner for the glory. Have a listen to the send-off after two minutes and the winner, and I've never seen a glory team celebrate after they scored that game or goal right at the death. It's a red. It is a red. And that has shocked the fans. Well, I honestly, I honestly can't say I'm surprised. That's a really ugly challenge from Jordan Elsie. It's 10 men each for the final thrusts of this game. And glory want more. David Williams to Ryan Williams. Wanderers scramble back. The crowd rises under Ryan Williams as he lets in the cross. And it's a great defensive header. An amazing goal. It took a deflection, went past the goalkeeper to the back of the net, right at the death. And as I said, it was stacks on. Let me tell you, even the corner flag was uprooted and was part of the celebrations. But we'll speak to Aaron McKenna uh, actually on the program a bit later on. That's all coming your way. Plus, uh, love to welcome your temper at Bedshed text machine comment 0487 736 736. What will be a bigger game? Carlton Richmond or Collingwood-Geelong attendance-wise? Love to get your thoughts on which one are you looking forward to maybe the most in this uh, big opening round one of the AFL season that gets underway on Thursday. Just repeating sports day between three and four and then into our preview of the match uh, from the MCG. And with daylight saving... Uh, still in play until early April. Thursday night footy will start at 4.40, hence why Sports Day will be on between 3 and 4. We'll have a preview from 4 o'clock and then into the coverage from 4.40 here on the SEN Network. But next, we speak to Brett Peake. Where do we find Brett Peake? We'll let you know next here on Sports Day WA. We're all here for Toolmart, the complete tool centre and Kia. Yeah, so still going on in the cricket at uh, Ahmedabad. Australia 2 for 168. They lead by 77. Just take the bales off and 
and take uh, uh, basically it. Uh, it's going to be a tame draw. Steve Smith's out there. He's on eight and Marnus Labashay in 58. So nothing much has happened today. Uh, India haven't been able to uh, get into the Australian batting lineup, and Australia have been quite content to uh, just occupy the crease and try and get themselves possibly in a position where they can bowl India out. But time is of the essence now, and I reckon they'll play till probably, I reckon, about 6 o'clock, and then they'll uh, draw stumps. Anyway, let's get back to AFL. That's what everybody is excited about. The season gets underway on Thursday. It's Carlton against Richmond, followed by uh, the likes of Collingwood and Geelong on Friday. A lot of interest, certainly on this side of the country, to see how the West Coast Eagles go against North Melbourne at Marvel and also the Fremantle Dockers play at Marvel against St Kilda. A man that has had some exciting experiences with both clubs is a man that uh, is synonymous with footy fans here in Western Australia and also carved out a name for himself uh, at Moorabbin as well. We're talking about Brett Peake and he joins us on the program now. Hey, Brett. How are we? Lovely to catch up with you. You're just rattling and rolling there. Where have we got you? Oh, I was just about to get in the Ute and, uh, and head back home. I'm, I'm down uh, in the Great Southern in God's country. Is that right? The Great Southern. Let me throw a dart at the Great Southern map and see if I can hit the target. Albany? Just east of Albany. Correct. Uh, what's just east of Albany? Is that where you are at the moment or are you living in Albany? Yeah, this is, yeah this is, no, no, no. We live uh, sort of 70 k's east of Albany. Yeah, and uh, been down here for pretty much yeah two years. Coming up to two years, it's a beautiful part of um, of WA, uh, let alone Australia. And um, yeah, we've just fallen in love with the place, and obviously still running around the footy oval trying to get a kick. Oh, you're still playing, are you? Still playing. So who are you, who are you playing year, for? So who are you playing for? So playing for the El- Albany Sharks. Ah, not the Royals. No, not the Royals. Yeah, the cross-town rivals. Ah, good stuff. You still getting a kick? Um, and full forward, at, you know, at this, I'm 40 this year, so I'm getting on in age, but I still feel that I can keep it up with the young boys. So, um, yeah, I'm just a sneaky little forward pocket that kicks a goal here and there. Please, 40. God, what I'd give to be actually 40 again, uh, Brett. Don't worry about that. <laughs> You've probably realised just how quickly the, the years fly. Uh, here you are, 40, and what, 12 years ago? You're a, a young 20-plus-year-old running around an AFL grand final. Does it seem just like yesterday, or is that now a long time ago? No, it, it, I had a conversation with someone. The uh, We had Claremont Footy Club come down and do a camp, and I was speaking to Ash Prescott, and um, it it feels like yesterday that I was involved in, in the AFL uh, realm. And But, yeah, when, when you put it in terms of it's over a decade ago, and... Mm. Um, I, I still maybe because I'm still involved and still playing that uh, it feels like it was yesterday. But yeah, in the context of things, a lot's happened since I've uh, finished football and and since that you know that moment in 2010 when we uh, drew the grand final and then lost the grand final. Yeah, exactly. Uh, drawing grand final, as we said, if that bounce went Stephen Mills' way, uh, the drought would have been broken for St Gattle from 1966. Were you surprised with Ross Lyon going back? No, I think um, he's too good to be out of out of the coaching environment. Um, oh, so many people knocking because I suppose of, of the way that he goes about it. But I've said it before, and and I'll say it again: he's the best coach that I've ever had. Um, if you know, the people say if the ball bounced a particular way, if Fremantle could have kicked straight, he would have been 
you know, against Geelong. He could have been a three-time premiership coach and he would have gone down as one of the greatest coaches uh, to ever coach AFL. But it's not the case. And yet he, he's got his uh, mockers and his haters and I just think it's, it's undeserved. And, you know, the AFL industry, coaching is a tough gig, but he must be doing something right to get teams there. And I think St Kilda have made, you know, in, in their 150th year, they've, um, he's done something right to, be, to get teams to the last day in September. And I think it was the best decision for him. And I think, um, I was just reading the other day, I think we've got a massive injury list. But uh, mm. it'll, it'll come, and I think, I think the decision was the right one. You spent five years at Frio, three at St Kilda. The fact that you played in two grand finals, okay, in the one year, 2010, because of the draw, you would have enjoyed your time probably at St Kilda more than Frio? Yeah, I did. Um, and the sole reason that uh, the, the club, um, I suppose the playing group, was a, was a lot closer. Um, maybe because we were having on-field success may, may have had something to do with it. I haven't sort of dived into it sort of deep enough to go why. I really enjoyed my time in Melbourne because Melbourne was the mecca of football. Everything's going on. Plus, I loved my surfing and I got to meet some uh, incredible people down the Torquay coastline. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of that that probably made to it. And, and maybe because Dad did what he did in WA to get out of that shadow, I suppose, per se, and go over to Melbourne, uh, you know, may have had something to do with it. There's some decent players at St Kilda in your time. You know, Nick Revolt, uh, Milne we spoke about, Brendan Goddard, Lenny Hayes. I'll tell you what, it was a star-studded outfit, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm, obviously I'm giving a little bit back now and uh, helping out with uh, the 16s at Albany Sharks. And some of the young kids, you know, ask me uh, about some of the players that I played with. And it, it just gets you to go back in time. Like some of the players that I'm talking about, they have to go and Google to find out who they are. But um, I got to play with some genuine, at both clubs, at Fremantle and St Kilda. But I got to play with some of the greatest players in in the modern era and and Lenny Hayes will probably go down as you know probably one or two that I got to play with about the way that he went about his football both on and off field and just the person that he was um but yeah very fortunate that I got to play with with some of the greats yeah no it certainly was an exciting time saying that uh Brett uh, you're playing footy. I'd like to get your thoughts on country footy. Mark Duffield, who works for this network, actually also penned a piece saying that country footy generally is uh, on its knees. It's struggling a fraction. Now, you live in the Great Southern. We know that country football was the lifeblood of a lot of uh, country towns over the years. How are you finding it uh, being off the beaten track with where country footy's at? Yeah, I, I would have um, I would have read that article, but it was behind a firewall, I think they call it, and you've got to pay for it, so yeah. I couldn't read it. But I do agree, um, and the sole factor in that is you, you have to go out. So we're in the Great Southern, so we're kind of lucky because we're sort of in a, in a, in a bigger town. But you go out to the Onger Up League, which is the next sort of competition outside. All the farmers, um, they're getting bigger. So the, the, the farming families are getting bigger, which is obviously then pushing, you know, the families out further and further and further. So is country footy dead? Yeah, I think he is right. It, it is. And for Albany, our furthest team that we play is now Barker and Denmark. It's half an hour drive. So for country footy to stay alive, we're going to have to drive further. We're going to have to drive an hour and a half, two hours, and incorporate some of those other leagues and merge them in to um, closer regions and travel. That's the only way we can fix it. 
and it ha- and it has to be done. And in that um, saying that, it will sort of keep country footy alive because there is some serious players that I've played with both in my time in the South West League and now in the in the Great Southern League that are serious players that could easily go off and play waffle football, but they choose not to for maybe family work commitment wise. Um, and, and people in the country regions love their footy. Footy, it's an Australian sport. They love it. They want to go watch a good footy game. So I think a lot needs to be done in, in the coming years. Otherwise, yeah, I think he is right. I think um, it is in dire straits. Saying that, uh, you said at the top of the chat that you're coaching 16-year-olds. Is that correct? Yeah, helping out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't commit full-time because that takes me away from uh, taking the family on, on adventures, surfing, fishing, diving. Yeah. So um, obviously on training nights when I'm in town because it's about a 45-minute uh, drive into town, um, I'll get in there a little bit earlier. And, you know, I don't know much about footy. I know a little bit. And if I can pass on a little bit of my knowledge down to the next generation, well, I'm, I'm mm. giving back in some way because the reason I ask that question is certainly in the metro area when you get to about 16 or 17 footy sometimes becomes secondary and young people whether it be boys or girls that look at other leisure activities are you noticing that maybe in the country or is it better in the country because there isn't that many options no it's definitely better in the in the country um, because the, I suppose they're not uh, exposed to suppose what I call the concrete jungle which is which is any major city um, and and sport especially down here in Albany sport is massive it's such a crucial part of uh, the, the kids upbringing and, and they and they do love it but there is a stage where you know they get to 16 17 18 and, and they they have to make choices and sometimes those choices aren't the right choice so it's one of those things the individual you know makes that choice and has to uh, deal with the consequences, whether it be good or bad. Um, and, and that's why I just want to go back. You know, I'm certainly not, not an angel. And when I was young, I made wrong choices. But it's just giving giving back and giving them sort of an out, outline of, you know, potentially where their sport, not necessarily footy, um, can sort of take them and, and sort of what lay ahead in their life. Mm. Well, you're sounding really content, Brett, which is really great to hear. You seem like you're, you're very comfortable with the, the space you're at at the moment with your family and where you're living and, and your commitment certainly to sport and Australian rules footy. Saying that, I've spoken to a couple of former footballers that played at the Eagles and at Fremantle that played roughly in your era. And I asked them, do, do you follow it closely? And I must admit, more, more than 50% of the people that I ask that is past AFL footballers, either for the Eagles or Dockers, saying, nah, mate, I don't really watch that much of it these days. I, I do other things. What about Brett Peake? Do you watch much of the AFL? Oh, a couple of years ago when I was doing a little bit of uh, commentary for the ABC, I would, I would sort of watch it just to keep in the loop and, and make sure I knew the names that were playing and, uh, you know, just to, just to get some quotes. But to be honest, uh, the life that I live with my family uh, it sort of takes me away from watching footy, and that's I'm happy with that. Like footy was a job for a long period of time. Um, I'm still playing because my body's able to. So if I'm if I'm in town and we're training and, and there's a game on, well, it will be in the background. I'll I'll take a little bit of interest, but I certainly won't go out of my way. Um, whether that be a home and away game, a final or the grand final, I, I certainly will put family first and, and going and exploring and adventures than watching a game of footy. So last year, I, oh, I could count on probably 
two hands the amount of games mm-hmm. I watched um, over last year. Interesting comment you made there because that's exactly the line that I got from a couple of people that I spoke to last week. It was my job, but now I'm, I've got the opportunity because I've got a lot more time on my hands to do other things that I perhaps missed out on. Saying that, how do you see St Kilda from the games you saw last year and what you've seen with both sides recruiting? Luke Jackson, of course, is a big name that's come to Fremantle. Ross Lyon is the big name that's gone to St Kilda as the coach, and you mentioned that he was the best coach that you were under. How do you see the respective clubs going from the knowledge that you've got with the respective squads? Yes, St Kilda, obviously with their injury list, and I I only know that because um, one of the farmers around the corner was talking about it. Um, So that potentially may hurt them. Um, So if they can get some of their key players back on the track, well, that's obviously certainly going to help. Saying that, I I think they can still finish, you know, that seven... Seven, eight, nine, ten position. Uh, if everything sort of falls their way, Fremantle obviously they've recruited. They had a really good year last year. This is this is going to be their year. I don't think they're going to be a, a sort of uh, five to eight team. They're either going to be a top four or they're going to completely bottom out. I think it's going to be one or the other. Um, I probably haven't looked at it enough to you know. I'm sitting on the fence a little bit because if I knew a little bit more, I'd be able to like, yep, they're going to finish top four and they're going to make a, a push for the finals. Um, I just haven't read. I don't watch the TV. I don't read the news. So I'm not, I suppose I'm not equipped enough to make a, a mm-hmm. you know, a comment. But I'm only going off last year. And I, and I know um, they had a very good year last year. I've seen some of the games. You know, some of their kids are, are very promising. So if their recruits in uh, O'Meara and Jackson can fire, I think that's certainly going to help them finish top four. Great. A couple of final questions. Kids, how many have you got? Two, six and three. Ah, fantastic. What a great stage of your life. Uh, boy or girl? Oh, it's, nah, both girls. And oh, I, good uh, luck. I think, I, I think I'm just <laughs> getting uh, getting it back for the grief that I gave mum and dad when I was a little uh, Yeah, I had two daughters. They're adults now. But, yeah, interesting girls, particularly when they become teenagers. And finally, do you see the old man much? I suppose living down south, you don't see him as much. But how's he going? No, he's going well. I, I, we make trips to Perth, um, oh, not quite regularly, but w- that we use that as a base when we've got to uh, get to Perth and uh, we stay with them so they can see the, the grandkids. And he's going well, still playing golf, still hitting them straight down the middle. And uh, I had to give it to him the other day because he hasn't had a hole in one for a while. So <laughs> I, think it's been, I think it's been two years and he's up to 22. So um, saying that, he'll probably go get one uh this Saturday. Yeah, no, he's a good man. I did a function with him actually last year. It was good fun. Uh, just quickly, uh, how far's Pinger up from you? 182 Ks. Is it? I might be going there. Actually. The only reason I know that, the yeah. only reason I know that is because we're playing a scratch match this Saturday against Lake Grace Pinger up at Pinger up. Yeah. And there's a there's a race day after. Correct. And I'll Correct. That, that we. Pl- that we play the game in the middle of the race course. There you go. That's right. That. Well, I'm, I might be going down there because my young fella actually calls horse racing uh, for TAB Radio and Sky Channel. So he's going to be going and calling that meeting, would you believe? And I thought, well, I might take the drive down there and just see what it's like. So I might see you, mate, actually kicking a footy in the middle of the ground. Well, get down there and uh, and you can you can watch the the grey-haired fossil maybe kick a few goals <laughs> if uh, Lake Grace will let me. Good on you, mate. Lovely to reconnect. Uh, thanks for joining us, Brett, and uh, great to see that you're living the life, as they say, and uh, good luck for this season playing there in Albany. 
Muchly appreciate it. Thank you. Good on you. Brett Peak joining us here on uh, Sports Day. Hope you've enjoyed that. Of course, brought to you by Toolmar, the complete tool centre, and also Kia, a fair player, wasn't he? And as I said, he had the pleasure and the privilege of playing in not one, but two grand finals a week apart, the 2010 AFL grand final. Collingwood drew with St Kilda and, of course, in the Magpies uh, comfortably in the replay. And Brett Peake was there. And uh, when I looked at the actual team for St Kilda, uh, I'll just pull it up, actually. It was uh, pretty much a star-studded lineup. Graham Dawson, Gilbert, of course, Zach Dawson, who came to Fremantle, played at fullback. Jason Blake, Sam Fisher and Robert Eddy. The centre line was a good one. Brendan Goddard, Nick Del Santo, Del, Del Santo, and Farron Ray came from the Perth Footy Club, didn't he, Farron Ray? Then they had Brett Peake on the half-forward line, Justin Kaczynski and Lee Montagna. Forward line, Adam Schneider, Nick Revolt was the captain, and Stephen Milne, the following division, Michael Gardner, formerly West Coast Eagles. Had an interesting time over here. Lenny Hayes and Clint Jones in the interchange was Dempster, McWalter, Wilt and Stephen Bacon. The coach was Ross Lyon. That was the Saints 2010 version. And we spoke to one of them on the program. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll go round ball next because the glory somehow, let me tell you, somehow won a game that they shouldn't have won on Friday night. And we'll speak to the hero after the break here on Sports Day. It's a red, it is a red. And that has shocked the fans. Well, I honestly, I honestly can't say I'm surprised. That's a really ugly challenge from Jordan Elsie. It's 10 men each for the final thrusts of this game. And glory want more. David Williams to Ryan Williams. Wanderers scramble back. The crowd rises under Ryan Williams as he lifts in the cross. And it's a great defensive header. Yes, and Aaron McInef now joins us after the jubilation of Friday night here on Sports Day. Aaron, thanks for your time. No problem at all, guys. Thanks for having me on. Is that the most important goal you've ever scored in a game? Uh, certainly up there. Um, you know, the way the way the game had gone and um, how the game ended, uh, I don't think too many games of football go that way so um it's definitely it was definitely a special moment and you know certainly one I won't forget stacks on the mill too every player came from all parts of the pitch to congratulate you I gather you were on the on the base of that pack <laughs> I'm surprised you actually survived because they came from everywhere jumping on you yeah look it's um it's a it we've got a great group of lads to be fair and um you know, scoring a, a last-minute winner, um, probably one of the best feelings in football, really. And um, you know, the way the way the boys all celebrated together, uh, it shows shows a proper togetherness within the squad. And I suppose, yeah, I I was at the bottom of it. <laughs> nah, <laughs> took me took me a few minutes to catch my breath after. That's for sure. I think I even saw the corner flag actually part of it as well. It was uprooted and uh, was part of the uh, the celebrations with all the players jumping on you. 
Can I ask you, Jordan yeah, Elsie would have been a very relieved man come full time. To lose a man after only two minutes and play for the majority of the game with 10 men, it's not easy. How was Jordan uh, post-match? Uh, like, you know, these things happen in football. Um, you know, Jordan, obviously, <clears throat> he, he was he was relieved that we went on to get the three points. And he actually texted me and uh, he said, he, he actually thanked, he thanked me. Um, and I just said, oh, look, we're all in it together. Um, and we... Um, There'll be plenty of more ups and downs, but we're all here for each other to get through it. And, you know, Jordan's an experienced player. He's a good player. He's played in the A-League for years now. So, um, you know, it's just one of these things in football. And mm. then it was up to us as a team to, to dig in and try and dig Jordan out of a hole for his mistake. Yeah, it was a careless tackle. There's no question. And And some people certainly had their opinion on whether the referee was a bit harsh in uh, putting up the the red card straight away, but that's a discussion for yeah. another day. Uh, have you got an opinion on it at all? Yeah, to be honest, I, like, well, I, I think, you know, having watched it back, it, it is a red card, I think, but, um, you know, there was no malice in the challenge. I don't think Jordan's meant it. Um, I think when I, when I did watch it back, um, he maybe takes a step, his, his step forward has, has gone too far. Um, and obviously goes down the back of the leg, but I don't. I don't think he's he's meaning to go down the back of the leg. I think he's just overstepped. Um, you know when he was when he was trying to judge the the winger's touch, mm. but um, he, he it didn't seem like there was any malice in it. And you know, two minutes into the game, it, it would never have been that. It's just a mistake. And you know, the referees picked up on it. And I do think it's it's probably a red card. Now, you've played many a game. you played with Derry City, Shamrock Rovers, Hearts, of course, in Scotland and now Perth Glory. And you would have played in teams where they were down to 10 men. But I'm not sure you would have played in a game where you lost a player so early within the first 90 seconds of the match. Uh, but let me watching the game, the, the, the team showed a lot of character. And in the end, I know when you look at... The shots on goal, shots on target, possession. You're just scratching your head wondering, how did the Perth glory get out of this? Because the statistics alone were very one-sided in relation to the Wanderers. Yeah, look, at, I mean, when the when a team um, loses a man at any stage of the game, it gives the other team a lift. And, you know, for, for it to be so early, um, any betting man... Would say that there's only one team that's going to win this game, and um, you know, we we knew our game plan had to completely change. But I always felt like during the game that we were we were calm as a group and and comfortable in what we were doing. You know, there was a lot of communication between the different units throughout the pitch, and um, you know, we 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 moved moved from side to side in the pitch really well, closed gaps and. And did a lot of defensive work, but you know, for all the stats that the Wanderers had, um, we actually did look at it back, and you know, they've they've only created like a handful of of really really good chances. You know, that that should have been goals probably, but um, these these things are going to come whenever you're down to ten men. You know, the other team are going to get chances, and you you sometimes do have to rely on a bit of luck, and we got that on the night, and then. 
when the game ended up being evened up by the ref. Um, you know, we we knew we would get we well to be fair, I think we got we got a few chances mm. even when it was eleven ten. Um, but then when when the game did even up I thought, you know, we were well in the ascendancy and, and we've took a lot of confidence to go on and try and win the game. Well, Western United, who were actually bottom of the league about two, three weeks ago, have had a, a pretty good run. They've just beaten Melbourne victory by two goals to one. So they've won three in a row after, you know, not winning a game, I think, in the previous four. So all of a sudden, Western United now are sitting just outside the top six with 25 points. The glory are on 23 points. You've dropped one bang because Western United have gone over the top of you. You're on 23 points. But four points out of the top six at this point in time. After going to that game on Friday night without a win in six games, three draws and three losses, you took on the Wanderers who had won their last three games very convincingly. Would you say it was do or die for the side on Friday? Another loss and maybe it could have been season done and dusted? Well, firstly, I'd like like to say it's a crazy league. You know, Um, any team can beat anyone. Um, That's the way it seemed all season. It's very tight. and as you say, you know, a few wins. If you put a few wins together, you're right. You're right in the mix um, for for the finals. And um, we certainly knew going into the game on Friday that it was huge for us, um, especially after uh, the the two games before that, Brisbane and um, Western United, because our preparation were, was really good for for them them two games. And I thought we we played quite well in both of them and and didn't get what we deserved, I thought. Um, so, I mean, we, we only had one option, really. You know, if we wanted to try and hit our targets for the season, and um, we had to do it in a manner that we didn't think we'd be doing it, but we got the job done. Yeah. All right. Finally, uh, certainly performance like that can be character building, and you need that. Uh, certainly would have done a lot for the squad uh, with that win on Friday night. But it all will mean nothing. Uh, you're on the road this week. Next, this Saturday, you play the Newcastle Jets if you succumb to the Jets. You need to keep winning now, don't you? Yeah. Well, like, uh, I mean, I don't think... I don't think there's many football teams in the world that goes out on their football pitch to try and lose a game of football. So, um, you know, we've been doing everything we can since uh, since the game the other night in terms of recovery and getting ourselves right again. And we got the legs moving, trained today, and we'll be preparing all week for the Newcastle game. Um, you know, I have came on against Newcastle at the start of the season and I've watched a few of their games. They're a really good side and they, they like to play good football so it'll be a tough test but <clears throat> we'll focus on ourselves and, and make sure we're ready to try and get three points Good on you Aaron, thanks for joining us and thanks for the ex- providing the excitement there on Friday night, it was just really special, a lot of noise as well from the fans, thanks for your time No problem at all, hopefully we have many more nights mm. like that Exactly, uh, that's what the fans and the players and everybody would look forward to Aaron McKenna joining yeah. us here on uh, Sports Day. Thanks, Aaron, and we wish him the best of luck for the remainder of the season. Of course, football is here. Here is the Isuzu Ute A-League experience. It's live, and if you were there on Friday night, you would have experienced a special occasion. If you'd like to go along to the next uh, Glory home game, it's against MacArthur on the 1st of April. 
Just search A-League Tickets. We'll take a break and then we'll come back and update everything that's happening in sport, all thanks to Tyre Power. This is Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos here on SEN. Well, the fourth test has been drawn. Let's update it for you. Thanks to Tyre Power. Buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres during Tyre Power's store-wide super sale. Yes, it has been drawn. They're just leaving the arena now. Australia, two for 175. Uh, it's been drawn an early close on the final day's play. Labashane remains 63 not out. And Smith, 10 not out. Of course, India won the four-test series by two matches to one. They won the first two. The third one was won by Australia. And the fourth just completed, ending in a draw. And as I mentioned, New Zealand pulled off the second thrilling test match win in a month. They defeated Sri Lanka by the barest of margins off the last ball of the five-day test match in Christchurch. With a run, Uh, there was some conjecture. I thought Williamson might have been run out, but he got home. And in the end, uh, a one-run win to New Zealand. Uh, St Kilda, as we heard from Brett Peake, they've got a few injury problems. The latest one to to join the injury list is forward Tim Membry. He's an important player. And he's among an important trio of Saints, ruled out of their season opener against the Dockers this weekend. Uh, The 28-year-old sharpshooter will miss after finally recovering time from knee surgery in February. Uh, Midfielder Seb Ross is also expected to miss the round one game against the Dockers. And as well as that, Nick Caulfield has suffered a calf strain at training late last week. And that'll put him out for four to six weeks. Uh, As we've mentioned, the Saints have 14 injured players heading into the season opener. And uh, certainly Ross Lyon... Uh, makes his return and has got a few headaches, let me tell you. And at Indian Wells, with big tennis tournament, in fact, it's considered the fifth slam, Indian Wells, there was a second-round clash between Tona Vekic of Croatia and Lesia Tsurenko. Uh, and Tsurenko came back to win in what was considered an upset over the world number 23. Now, Tsurenko is ranked 95 in the world had to qualify to get into Indian Wells this year, but came back from a first set loss. She lost 6-2 in the first set, but she came back to win 2-6, 6-2, 6-2. Now, the post-match formalities were pretty frosty with Vekic refusing to shake hands. Now, Tsurenko walked over to the net at the conclusion of the match, as is customary, but without being met by Vekic. So in an apparent attempt to move past the snub, Sarenko then went over to Vekic's side of the net to offer a hand, but was roundly ignored. So not very sportsmanlike conduct there from the Croatian. Well, as we let you go, Sam Kerr has conjured up some beautiful goals in England's Women's Super League, but few that have matched the brilliance of her latest virtuoso effort for Chelsea against Manchester United. She scored the winner in Chelsea's win. Have a listen. James... Long again, looking for Kerr, and she brings it down superbly, and she scores brilliantly. And that really is what Sam Kerr is all about. Just a great goal. Long ball, she chested it down. It was a beautiful ball, actually, from midway inside the Chelsea half. She chested it down, controlled it, and not losing pace in the same stride. The keeper came out, and she lifted over the keeper, 
into the back of the net. It was just a terrific goal. Well done, Sam Kerr. Looking forward to seeing her mid-year when she leads out the Matildas in the FIFA Women's World Cup. Won't be coming to Perth. We'll see some big games over here as well. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Jimmy. I'll be back again tomorrow from 5 here on Sports Day WA. All thanks to Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre, and Kia. Have a good Monday night.